Hello and welcome. This is Heartstock Radio. I'm your host, Carol Murphy, and Daniel Hogan is in our studios here at KBMF 102.5. And uh, today, our guest is Ngozi Okaro, and she is the executive director of Custom Collaborative. Just a moment, Ngozi will be with us and tell us all about what she is up to there. And remember that you can email us at heartstockradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. In just a moment, we will be back with Ngozi. Thanks for listening. As I went walking that ribbon the highway, I saw the This is Heartstock Radio. I'm your host, Carol Murphy. And today, our guest is Ngozi Okaro. And hi, Ngozi. Thank you so much for being on Heartstock. Hi, I'm so excited to be here, Carol. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, you are so welcome. And can you please tell our listeners a little bit about Custom Collaborative and what you guys are up to there? Sure. Custom Collaborative is a nonprofit social enterprise focused on providing earned income opportunities for no and low income and immigrant women. We're in New York and really excited to be talking to people now uh, across the country from us. Tell us a little bit about how you got involved with Custom Collaborative. I noticed that you're listed as the executive director. Are you also the founder? I am the founder. And the the story of how I started Custom Collaborative really centers around my own clothing needs. Of course, we train women to design, sew, and sell sustainable fashion. And I'm a tall person And I've always had problems buying clothes off of the rack, but I've had some great dressmakers. One of them was Mariama, and she'd make me these great clothes, and people would stop me on the street and ask me where I got the clothes. And it occurred to me that I wanted to have Mariama have clients who could pay more money, that there were so many people that wanted clothes that fit and affirm their bodies. So I just started thinking about how to make that happen. And that's where I got the idea to create Custom Collaborative. Our three programs, one, a training institute where, again, women learn to design, sew, and sell sustainable fashion. So in addition to pattern making and sewing, they also learn personal finance, entrepreneurship, human rights, and environmental stewardship. I then went on to create a business incubator, which helps the women who graduate our programs and other small and emerging designers. And then the third part of our work is cooperative development. But all of this came from my need for clothes that fit in my desire to connect my dressmaker, Mariama, to more opportunities to make more money. So you don't have to tell us, but I'm curious, just how tall are you? Sure, I'm six feet. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's always, you know, that the short people want to be tall, the tall people want to be short. I'm five, four, and a half. And (laughs) (laughs) the half 
is very important, <laughs> I've, I've heard. <laughs> so you mentioned cooperatives. Is this a, a cooperative, developing cooperatives in the true, you know, business sense, as in all of the folks who are participating in the business own a part of it? Exactly, exactly. A worker-owned cooperative is like any other business the people who do the work actually make the decisions and share the equity. So Custom Collaborative launched our first incubated cooperative in the summer of 2020 called Fashion Networks Production. And it's owned by four women who happen to be from four different continents, but are all here in New York. And they're working with clients and, again, able to, to shape their own destiny. Yes. And as I see going forward, you know, we don't have a crystal ball, but I'm imagining that immigration is going to be as important as, you know, clean air and water for our planet. And as we have and embrace more and more immigrants, I think this is really inspiring. Planet's going to have to grapple with this issue. And uh, the United States is no different from anybody else. And I'm just wondering, what is your background? And how has it helped you in this journey that you're, you're embarking on here? Yeah, that's a great question. I guess in terms of my educational background, I have a law degree and then my undergraduate degree was in the social sciences, political science. But I feel like my background goes beyond that. Like I went to law school because I had a certain curiosity and a certain way of thinking. And I think that law school helped refined that and gave me more tools. But I have always been focused on the environment. I've always been committed to justice as one of my core values. And so I think all of those things, as in addition to my religious background, brought me to this place, really trying to figure out what it is that I can do to be of most service to society, especially the more marginalized people in society. Mm-hmm. And where did you go to law school? Was that a geographic choice or, you know, what influenced you to go where you did? Oh, I, I went to Georgetown for law school. And basically I went there because it was the best school that I applied to. Um, just, to, you know, shorthand, like, Mm-hmm. That that was how I made the decision at that point. I applied to Georgetown because it was in the D.C. area, and that was an area that I was familiar with. I didn't apply to Columbia because they sent me the wrong application. And I think at the time, you know, I was relatively youthful and just made a decision on a whim not to to investigate further. But I mean, Georgetown's a great school. It was among my top choices. And so it it was a a good opportunity for me. Is that where you grew up in D.C.? No, I grew up in Maryland, but, you know, D.C. is so close. It's within probably like 50 miles. Mm -hmm. And where in Maryland? Is that kind of your your family's roots there? I went went to dental school in Baltimore, so. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So my family, well, I grew up in central Maryland, Howard County, mm-hmm. for the most part, but I actually went to college in Baltimore City. I went to Morgan State University. So you you went to the University of Maryland then? 
Yes, indeed. Great. Yep. Great. great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Balmore, hun. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You've got it down. <laughs> and we, yeah. I had four years of practice. It was a, it was a great experience. And uh, I'm just wondering if family influences or influences younger in life that kind of inspired you to, to go to law school and all the other activities, the environment, how, how does that all kind of fit into place? Yeah, so I actually first heard of the profession lawyer when I was six. Somebody said to me, little girl, you talk a lot. You should be a lawyer. (laughs) So I was like, okay, well, let me figure this out. I went and looked up what lawyers were, and I understood lawyers to be people that are helpers and that fight for truth and justice and fairness in society. And then I learned... I think a couple of years later that Ralph Nader was a lawyer and that Ralph Nader was doing incredible work, including against Ford Motor Company that had created this Pinto. And we actually had a Pinto that caught fire one day on the way to school. So I thought, oh, well, this this is really perfect. This must be what I should be doing. So that's that, I think, was the genesis of it for me. And I think that along the way, like before I went to law school, I probably had, I know I had other ideas of what I could do with a career, but lawyer always stuck. Hmm. And he also went to Fashion Institute, is that right? Yes, I did take several classes at Fashion Institute of Technology, FIT, here in New York. I think the latest one being probably 2019, just before the pandemic, because as I thought about starting Custom Collaborative, even though I had a little bit of of fashion and, and sewing background, I wanted to make sure that I understood more and that I would be in a position where if we had an instructor who was out, I could substitute at some point. But also classes at FIT for me were and are very like intellectually stimulating. I am very much in my head and in my brain, but I also like to be able to do things with my hands. And in fashion, there's some problems also that you solve with your brain. So it's it's really great for me to have the opportunity to continue to learn. Yeah. And on this kind of creative vein, were you creative as a youngster as well? Did you have any mentors that really developed the creative part of your brain? I don't know if I was creative. Well, I think that all, all of us are. And I think that some people have it nurtured or push it out more than others. I like to think that there were probably some ways that I was creative, but my favorite thing was reading. And I just love to be able to inhabit books and different stories. I never wrote short stories or poetry or anything as a child, but I really read everything. In fact, my biggest claim to fame is winning the countywide readathon when I was in the fourth grade. <laughs> um, I would say, though, creatively, my mother made all of my clothes, wow. uh, I think through middle school, and my grandmother sewed as well. But that was about it. No, I wasn't a visual artist. I was actually. In plays, I loved drama, 
But pretty early on, I was steered away from acting as a career. But that was probably where I would have been more creative. In the the field of drama. And I'm just wondering, once you got out of law school, um, how much time was there between graduation and, and the founding of your nonprofit? Oh, a lot of time. Mm. I practiced law in law firms for five years, and then I worked in nonprofit for several years. And I always thought that there would not be a need for another nonprofit because there were so many. So when I came to create Custom Collaborative, it was with extreme trepidation because I had to convince myself that there was a need and do a lot of research to determine that there was no other organization doing what Custom Collaborative would do before I started it. Was that inside the Beltway, as they say in D.C.? (laughs) No, no, I was in New York. I was Ah. in New York. Yeah, I've been in New York for for quite some time now. Mm -hmm. Um, So D.C. was fun, but I always felt like I needed to be in New York, bright lights, big city style. So I'm curious, why did you decide upon the cooperative kind of organizational um, structure for the gals that were graduating, so to speak? I mean, we're going to delve into this uh, Mm -hmm. in more depth, but yeah, why, why cooperatives? Well, it just seemed to me to be the most equitable. And again, like fairness and justice are part of my core values. So I thought that it would be good for people to be able to be in community and to share profits. And furthermore, it is great to be able to own a business. So within our training program, we teach entrepreneurship. People learn how to own their own business, but it's very hard to own a business as a sole proprietor because then you're the invoicing person and the maker and the designer and the purchaser and the bookkeeper. So it seemed that if people could work together and use their skills in different ways, that it would be a great way for people to own businesses, cooperative model. And then I also understand that for people who might not have work authorization for whatever reason, that if they are member owners of cooperatives and they can work legally. So it seemed to me like it was a win-win circumstance. Mm. Yes, double bonus. We're going to take our midway point break here in just a moment. We will be back with Ngozi and talk more about Custom Collaborative. This is Heartstock. We'll be right back. This is Heartstock Radio. I'm your host, Carol Murphy. Today, our guest is Ngozi Okaro, and she's the founder and executive director of Custom Collaborative. I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit about your program and how do you find the women and men who work there? Are they all women or is it women and men? And how do you find them? How do they find you? Yes. So all of the people in our programs are women. 
they find us a variety of ways. We have partnerships with a uh, hundred or more other nonprofits and we share our recruitment flyers with them. We put flyers in dollar stores and houses of worship and community centers and libraries and wherever we think that no and low income and immigrant women will be. And occasionally we have opportunity to advertise in media. Uh, recently, I was on a local television station inviting people to come to our open house. It has been a bit more of a challenge post-pandemic, or I don't know if I would call it post-pandemic during this latter part of the pandemic, mm -hmm. because we mandate that people in our, our class are, are vaccinated. As you know, New York had extreme loss due to the pandemic, and our landlord actually requires it as well. And so some of the people who have wanted to be part of our training program have not been vaccinated, so we've had to really redouble our efforts, but we're going to start a new class in the beginning of May. So we're excited that we'll have a dozen or so women in our training program, the first one in person since we stopped in person in spring of 2020. And how were you funded? This is always a, a recurring topic on the show. Getting funding for organizations can be a challenge. Did you find that to be true for your organization? Yes, yes, it is a challenge. And we're funded three main ways. We get donations from individuals. I'm really excited. We, we just notified people today that our fundraising campaign that we raised $10,000 for during Women's History Month was matched by an organization, Higgs. So now that's a new $20,000 in mm, the door. How exciting. We, Yes, it's very exciting. We also get funding from corporations, generally fashion corporations, but there are some others that support us as well. And we get money from philanthropic foundations. A smaller slice is earned income. So we sell both services, consulting services, as well as goods on our website. So basically the women in our programs make things, we pay them and then we sell them. So we have a, a pretty varied income stream, but fundraising is a good part of my job. Fun, fun. And I'm wondering if you ever work with brands, like if I have um, a dress and a pattern and fabric, can I come to you and you will make it for me? Yeah, so that's a great question. We do a few things. So if it's you as a person and you say that you would like a dress or something like that, then what we will do is connect you to one of our program participants who can work with you independently. Mm. If it's a company, then definitely we do things. We just started a program with a, a company, Yabby, which allows people to order and then the orders will come to our studio and we will make the, the items and then ship them out to the customer. And then we have other partners like Mara Hoffman, for example, where we might do a product for them. We did a mass collaboration with them. So there are lots of ways that we interact 
with uh, production of fashion, which is really great for our participants because it provides more opportunity for them to learn and earn. And then you mentioned kind of the social justice aspect of your organization. Can you just share with us and talk a little bit about that, you know, why it's so important and how you approach this? Sure. In working with no and low income and immigrant women, we work with them specifically because they are really the most marginalized here in the U.S. And the people who create fashion, the people who actually do the sewing and construction of our clothes are generally that same demographic, low income and women who are immigrants or black or brown. So what we really try to do is center them in our work and provide opportunities for them and invest in their careers, but also their personhood. Another part of our work is leadership development. So we help women build their skills and and leadership and esteem and really community building. So all of that is part of the whole for us. And we recognize that people can learn the best if they're in safe spaces and if they're surrounded by people who care about them and have similar experiences and that they can learn as much or more from each other as they can from their instructors and our staff. And I would imagine your incubator is a big part of that too. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Do you know how how do you select folks? How many people participate? How long do they incubate for? All that good stuff. The people who are in our incubator are two distinct groups. One, all of the women who graduated from our training institute are eligible to participate in our incubator. And the support that we give them ranges from helping them develop their businesses. Everyone graduates from the training program with a business plan. We can help place them in jobs, which includes internships and apprenticeships. We just started two apprentices and yesterday in an apprenticeship program that's funded by Chanel. So we're really excited about that. And we also provide, again, earned income opportunities for the women. So if you came to us and said, I want a wedding dress, we would say, okay, we have the perfect person. And then we would work with the participant to make the dress for you she would be paid and everybody would be happy. The other group of people that we help with the incubator is small and emerging designers, mostly in New York, but we've also had clients from California, Chicago, and DC. And so those are people who want help around sustainability or sourcing or sample making or pattern making or some other source of design. And we can work with those people as well. Those we charge, the women who have come from our training program, we do not charge for our incubator services. And you mentioned a Chanel sponsorship, and I'm just wondering if you can kind of elaborate more how brands and citizens in general can help support you and kind of maybe highlight some important partnerships that you've had. Absolutely. We're very excited about this Chanel partnership. We piloted an apprenticeship program in 2020, right when the pandemic started. The 
partnership was launched by Slow Factory, Swarovski Foundation, and United Nations Office of Partnerships. And the goal was to place designers with scientists. There were three pairings. Two were about material sciences, and this one was about social sciences. So Custom Collaborative paired with the brand Mara Hoffman to provide a technical design apprenticeship for three participants in our program. The apprenticeship went really well, and so we spent a lot of 2021 figuring out how to scale the apprenticeship from six weeks to nine months and how to find funding for it. And it happens that in the summer of 2021 and said, we have this idea, we know that you're interested in empowering women through your foundation. Would you talk to us about this program? And they were receptive. And so the Chanel Foundation in December of 2021 gave us a three-year grant so we could expand our apprenticeship program. So this is really exciting for us because of all of the things that the participants will be able to do with the apprenticeship and being able to work for a long time under a successful company. Other companies do things like provide us fabric or training or equipment. Some companies like Hanky Panky and others even elevate our social media and and boost our marketing because we're relatively small. And so most of us at Custom Collaborative are doing one or two jobs. And so it's really helpful to have organizations with larger platforms help to elevate our work and provide publicity to us. So it's very important for us that we get donations of fabric, volunteer time, money from companies and people and foundations. So those are ways that people can help by supporting our work. We only have a couple minutes left, but I'm hoping you can kind of give us a taste of what lays ahead for you. And then, of course, how folks might be able to find you if they have questions or want to carry on the conversation. Absolutely. What lies ahead? I mean... (laughs) As we come through the the pandemic, that's such a big question. We actually did a strategic plan in 2020, which we revised a bit in 2021. But it was so great to have done that because we went into the pandemic understanding what we needed to do and who we are and You know, at base, we're an organization that serves women, helping them get on their feet economically. We also never thought that we would be able to do virtual training. And one silver lining of the pandemic was that we learned that we are able to do virtual training. So we'll do some more of that to expand our footprint so that people who are not in New York can get our services. And to scale our work. We, in our training program, train in English only and three cohorts per year because the training is it's a 15-week program. We would love to be able to train in languages other than English, 
to have an evening program. We would like to have six or nine cohorts per year. So that's something we need to have our own space to do. We need to have more instructors. So really we're going to spend the next several months in addition to our programming, looking at investment. How can we get big investment? We've graduated eight cohorts of women. We know what we're doing and now we just need to scale so we can provide opportunity for all those who want it. Yes. And how might folks find you? Sure. Our website is customcollaborative.org. On Instagram and Twitter, we're customcollab, C-U-S-T-O-M-C-O-L-A-B. And we're Custom Collaborative on Facebook and LinkedIn. Of course, people can email me, info at customcollaborative.org. All of that information is on our website because I know custom and collaborative, it's a lot of words, uh, but customcollaborative.org and you can find out all the ways to contact us. Thank you so much for sharing your story, Ngozi. I really appreciate it and I feel inspired. Oh, thank you so much. I'm feeling really great too. (laughs) We shall be back next week. See you then. Peace. Heartstock Radio is a production of KBMF 102.5 Butte America Radio. Hear our programs every Friday at 5 p.m. Mountain Standard Time via live stream at butteamericaradio.org. Yeah.